0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for coming out. My name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are finishing up a series that we've been in for about four weeks on the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's probably the most misunderstood part of the Godhead and probably the one that not too many people talk about that much. And so we wanted to take a few weeks, kind of reacquaint ourselves with what the Scripture says about of the Holy Spirit we've looked what I did was I used metaphors or the pictures in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. The writers of the Bible what they did is they used the, the tools that they had during their time so they would use metaphors, pictures uh, types to be able to reflect uh, who God was, personality, how he moved and and so when we get to talking about the Holy Spirit, He, you know, the Bible uses certain, uh, like today we're going to be talking about the dove. And that's probably the most well-known of all the symbols of the Holy Spirit. But do do any of you remember some of the other metaphors that we've used during this series? Water, Water. wind, Wind, fire. That's right. Water, wind, fire, and today the dove. Does anybody remember some of the attributes of uh, water that uh, kind of the Scripture uses as far as the Scripture, as the Spirit goes? Remember some of the things that water does, that the Spirit does? Refreshes, cleanses, unifies. Yeah, it fills us, doesn't it? Water does. We leak. Water goes out of us. I mean, it's like we get full. You know, like a cup gets full of water, and then it's not so full. You, it sloshes, and and just like a vessel that can be full or part full, The presence of God in our lives can be there maybe this much, that much, a lot. And so we need to be refilled, just like water is refilling a cup. How about the wind? What are some of the things that wind does as far as the Spirit goes? It it moves, yeah. What else? Refreshes, that gentle breeze, uh... Wasn't so gentle if you are on the beach, but uh, yesterday, but uh, it's just yesterday afternoon in, in our yard, just sitting there, you know, that breeze, that summertime breeze that blows across and refreshes you, and it's good to live at the beach, isn't it? I mean, feel that breeze come, that ocean breeze come across and refresh you, and, and the wind also moves us, uh, it, it steers us. It's like uh, this wind of the Spirit that those of us who follow Jesus, we look for direction. We look for God to lead us certain directions. And the Holy Spirit, like wind, can come along and blow us in the right direction. It's like a sailboat with a sail. You ever got stuck in life? You see a, a boat that's sitting and there's no wind. It can't move. And you think if we can just get a bit of a breeze, at least the vessel will begin to move. And then we can get it going in a a direction. And so the Holy Spirit comes to us that way. It will blow into our life. It will push us and give us the uh, energy to be able to go a certain direction. And so it's important to to hear the wind, to have the wind of the Spirit in our sails so that we can be directed in the way that God uh, wants us to go. How about fire? What are some of the attributes? Cleansing, fire burns. What else? Passion. Gives light. Very good. Mesmerizes. The Holy Spirit, there's this mysterious thing, isn't there, about the Holy Spirit? I mean, even when we talk about Him, I mean, He is a Spirit, right? Holy Spirit. And so we're like, how do we talk about something so mysterious? And then again, the Bible uses metaphors and types, just like wind, water. And fire to give us, a, you know, a glimpse into who the Holy Spirit is. And he purges, he cleanses us, he comes like a fire. And when you have passion, somebody goes, boy, they've really got the fire. You know, they're fired up. And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit comes to fuel us. And, and we learn that it's also attractional, that when you have a fire, people come and want to look at it, you know, want to stand around it. And so people who are fired up with something if they're passionate about something, there are others who will come and watch them burn. <laughs> They'll be attracted to that. They'll want to see them and uh, say, what is going on? Why are you aflame with this particular love that you have in your life or this sport or this God that you love? What is it about him that fires you up so much and so people will be attracted to that? And... Uh, like I said, the Holy Spirit is probably the least talked about in church. Uh, he shows up in our creeds and the traditional church in many ways, but as far as your normal everyday church, when you break out into your small groups or you're talking with your friends, you don't talk about the Spirit that much. I mean, He he just doesn't come up. He doesn't come up many times even uh, in the leaders of the church when they speak. Some of that probably is because over in John 16 when Jesus was talking about the Spirit coming after he left, that the Holy Spirit would come, Jesus said he will not speak on his own. Basically that the Holy Spirit will speak about Jesus when he comes. And, and so some groups and some churches and some believers and people think that that means that the Holy Spirit would never want to draw attention to himself. He would never want to be the center of attention, but it doesn't mean that we don't put attention on the Spirit, that we don't listen to him try to learn uh, what he is about and and though he's mysterious though he can be in every believer at one time uh you know he's still here he's still an entity you can grieve the holy spirit you can bum him out i mean whenever he wants to do something in your life and he's moving in your life and and you don't work with him he's grieved you ever been grieved over anything you know what that word means you're like man that's I just wish that person would do this and you kind of grieve. Doesn't mean you don't love them anymore, you're not there for them, but just gosh, you're just not quite just not quite doing what they could do. And so the Holy Spirit can can be grieved whenever we don't, uh, you know, get with what God has for us. And so he has a personality. He can be grieved and fire us up. He brings gifts to us when we we didn't even get into any of that. We'll save that for the winter time, and we'll go back and look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But He comes bearing gifts to those who follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings us gifts. And uh, if you are a follower, follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. But none of us are always filled with the Holy Spirit. None of us always walk full of His presence. And so we have to give attention to that as followers of Jesus because when we're full of the Spirit, the Scripture says, we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We don't get into trouble. We don't get into trouble when we're full of the Spirit. You know, we walk pretty close with God and, and He leads us, but we're not always filled. That's the fact. And so we continue to pray God fill us with the Holy Spirit. So today we're looking at the Spirit as the dove. Uh, I think that's probably, like I said, the most, most understood and well-known symbol of the Holy Spirit. Even uh, the dove as a symbol of peace. I mean, the United Nations uses this, and different people use it without. I mean, they kind of hijack the, the emblem, to be honest with you, because they, they take that emblem of peace without realizing that's not all of who the Holy Spirit is. The is Holy Spirit is wind. Holy Spirit is water. Holy Spirit is fire, but he also comes as a dove as well. And so uh, the Holy Spirit also is the presence of God that makes himself known, that makes God known to us. It's not just a cerebral practice or an intellectual experience that we read about God and go, oh, this makes sense. I have an intellectual understanding of who God is. The Holy Spirit, his presence in our life, makes it alive to us. Whereas we may have an intellectual uh, part to our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit makes it experiential. That is, we can experience His presence. We can know that He is with us. We can know that God is with us through the Holy Spirit. And so it's very important. Uh, if, you ever hit a, if, you ever, if you ever hit a hard spot in life, when you hit a hard spot in life, you know, as a follower of Jesus, when you hit those hard spots, that's when you find out how important the Holy Spirit is in your life Um, to use another i'm always using surfing metaphors but let me just let me say this you know we we have what we call getting stuck inside being stuck inside is when you are stuck where the waves break now the only time you want to be there is when you're getting ready to paddle back out you know now see these guys that is not a good place to be (laughs) see those two guys that i got circled right there yeah well that that's it's not going to be fun that is not going to be fun but when we get in situations in life where we're getting held down and we, we're being pummeled, that is when our relationship with the Holy Spirit really comes to life because there's a part of us that wants to get up and get a breath when God has brought the breath of God to us to help us in those hold downs. When we're pushed down underneath the waves and we wonder how we're going to survive through this, it's the Holy Spirit that brings the breath of God to us So that we can survive the hold down. And so the Holy Spirit is very important for us as followers of Christ. Because I doubt there's one person in this room who hasn't gone through a hold down in life. And some of us in here are going through it right now. You're being pressed. You want to get to the surface. Your lungs are burning. You're wondering how long you can hold your breath. And the whole time the Holy Spirit is there to grant you the breath of God to sustain you through a tough time till you can get back up to the top and get back out in the lineup and paddle back out. And the Holy Spirit as a dove is a big part of that, of how he functions in our life. When you're in a situation like that picture, you know, you, you really only have two choices. You know, you either freak out, <laughs> you know, and... and uh, which doesn't do any good because you're expending all the breath you have. And, uh, or you settle down and you take a deep breath and you take it like a man. <laughs> and, uh, but th- there are choices. And there are choices and there are provision. There's provision made. God has given us provision for times like that in the Holy Spirit. And these disciples uh, on the day of Pentecost, when they were gathered together in the upper room, these folks were not what you call the elite leaders of the day. I mean, they were everyday people who had the fears, the apprehensions, the questions that all of us have, and yet Jesus, I said last week, it's like Jesus sent them to their room. You know, he's there about to go back to his father, and and they're still asking dumb questions, and and. Uh, And Jesus basically looks at them and goes, Go to your room. (laughs) Go to your room and stay there until the Holy Spirit comes. In other words, go to your room and stay until I have made provision for you for what's about to come in life. So the Holy Spirit was incredibly important to that early church and to those early followers, and is just as important to us today as it was to them. If we as a church are going to do anything for God, if we are going to complete this walk with Jesus the way it was intended to be completed, we need the Holy Spirit. And we need Him active, experientially active. We need to know it, experience it. And uh, know that when the hold down comes, though the lungs are burning, that I'm going to be okay. I'm all right. God is with me. The Holy Spirit is here speaking peace in the midst of trouble and chaos we need the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be over in Matthew three sixteen for a few minutes, and we're going to go right back to worship, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come, and we're going to breathe that life in. We're going to uh, ask Him to fill us with His presence. And I just want to point out three things that uh, the Spirit as a dove, uh, the, what we see in Scripture, just three of the things I think that uh, we can see that the dove represents as far as the holy spirit being with us. So Matthew 3:16 through 17, Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. He's come up upon that great, I can imagine what that was like. Walking up on the wild man John the Baptist there in the wilderness, baptizing people for the remission of their sins. John has said that there's one coming that's going to be a lot more important than me, speaking of Jesus. John knew he was coming, and when he comes, you know, that things are going to change. And so John is there in the water baptizing people. He looks and here comes Jesus. And Jesus tells John, he asks John to baptize him. And of course Jesus didn't need baptizing because he did, had no sin. He didn't need to be washed and cleansed. But because he comes as our sacrifice, because he comes taking his, our sins on him in order to be able to relate to us, he allows himself to be baptized. And so this is where we join the story, Matthew three sixteen through 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him... I am well pleased. Father, we ask that you would breathe life on your word this morning. I ask that you would help me, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would come and teach us who you are. Give us a love for you, Spirit, this morning. Help us embrace your presence in our life to develop our relationship with you. And we just welcome you here Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this place. In Jesus name. Amen. You have a fill in in your handout if you want to track along. There are just three fill ins there and your first one is this. The spirit as dove brings home to us God's passing judgment. God's passing judgment. God's passing judgment. Does anybody remember the first time we see a dove in the Bible? Noah, that's exactly right. Remember the story? They've been stuck in that boat for a long, long time. Noah, what does he do? He takes first, he gets a raven, he lets it go, you know, comes back. There's like, you know, no land. It's been raining and pouring down. And then he takes a dove and he releases the dove. And then in Genesis 8, 8 through 12, we read this. And this is important because this is connected to what's happening with Jesus at his baptism. Uh, there's a picture, this metaphor, in the Old Testament of Jesus as the ark of God, as the place that we're safe, the place that we can go to. And, and, uh, and so let's just, let's just read it, uh, Genesis 8, 8 through 12. Then he, Noah, then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground, But the dove could find no place to set its feet because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again. But this time, it did not return to him. Do you remember what was going on with Noah? I mean, people, people will be people, right? And people were so messed up. I mean, the world had gotten so sinful and so disgusting to God that God looked over the earth and he said, You know what? I regret ever having made this group. I'm going to wipe the whole group out because God's pure, God's holy. He can't handle sin in his presence. He has an allergy to sin. He's allergic to it. He can't be, he has a breakout. I mean, he breaks out. It's like you can't be around it. He can't deal with it. I told the first service, my wife has a disease called celiac sprue. Weird disease, celiac sprue, you know, like what? But it's a disease that if she eats any wheat protein, any barley, any oats, anything like that, any wheat protein. It do, she doesn't have a breakout. It can really hurt her. I mean, it can hurt her. It could kill her if she ate too much of it. God has that kind of a disease when it comes to sin. He cannot tolerate it in His presence. So God has a problem because mankind is pretty much eat up with it. <laughs> We're all pretty much in dire need of some help when it comes to being Sinners. During this period of time, God looks out over the earth and he looks at it and he goes, I love my creation. I love the people that I made in my own image. I love them, but they are so far away from me. I'm just going to start all over again. But there's this one family, and I'll be honest with you. I don't. It says Noah was righteous, but if you read the rest of the story about Noah... It really wasn't that great. I mean, when you look at the rest of the story, and you got to go. You ever read this thing, by the way? It's, like, pretty cool. I mean, there's some neat stuff in here. But if you go ahead and you read the rest of the story, here's what I think. You know, this is tim Timology, okay? But I, I just think that he looked, he chose, out of his grace and his mercy, he chose Noah. And he thought, well, there's somebody who's, you know, probably compared to everybody else. I want to use him to save mankind. And so he chose Noah, told him to build the ark. If you haven't read it, you've seen the movie. Um, No part of it. And so he makes the ark. He tells him to get in, get the animals. You know the whole story. Take your family. And I'm going to pour rain down on the earth, and I'm just going to wipe it out and start all, all over again. That rain, that picture of God's judgment. When Jesus came out of the water and the Holy Spirit fell upon Jesus, it was a picture of God's judgment being again passing over mankind, and suddenly it's going to be placed on Jesus. And just as that dove left the ark and came back and said, Hey, the rain has stopped, the water's receding, so has the judgment of God passed in Jesus Christ. Nobody can make this stuff up. You get this? All these hundreds of years before, the ark is prophesying Jesus coming. Noah and the ark that we need some place to go to get our sins forgiven, that that judgment of God has to be poured out somehow because God is pure and holy. He's allergic to sin. Somebody has to, somehow he has to deal with it. So he deals with it in Jesus. The dove comes upon uh, Jesus at that time as he's baptized. Uh, we read in the scripture that, you know, it, uh, that it says, uh, In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism, talking about Noah and the ark, which now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. In Noah, it was just eight people that were saved. In Jesus, it's the world. All who call on his name will be saved the passing judgment of God. That's what we see in the dove as it comes upon Jesus, that that has been satisfied in Christ. When the water went down, the dove came back and he had that little piece of olive, you know, that olive branch in his his mouth. So it's the passing judgment. That's a picture of the dove as Holy Spirit. And your second one is the dove represents peace that in the Holy Spirit, God brings peace to his people. Peace. And this is the emblem that we get that uh, political groups and and uh, social groups take the dove and use it a lot for peace. You know, they always have the olive branch and forgetting the whole story that actually the Holy Spirit is, I mean, the, the dove is pointing to the ho- Holy Spirit. And uh, we don't want to forget. We want to take all of that, but we don't want to forget the wind, the fire, all of, you know, that part of the Holy Spirit as well. But the Holy Spirit as a dove brings peace to our life. I mean, when the rain was coming down in that ark and the boat was being shoved here and there, when you're being held down at some point in your life or maybe the storms come through your life, you want to know, is it safe to come out yet? I mean, when I was very, very small, my granddad's house, when a thunderstorm came up, we had to sit quietly. I don't understand that, but, you know, they, they would grab us all. This is like old school Southern, okay? And they would take us and they would pull us into that front room that you never went into except on Sundays. And, uh, you know, they would set us down on the couch on these chairs. And, I mean, I'm like three years old, four years old, and Papa, you know, big six-foot-three guy, uh, sheriff, and he would, like, he would look and he said, quiet. And he was a great guy, but when it thundered, he thought God was mad. It was like, don't make him any matter, you know, and he, the, the lightning could hit the house, you know. Let's, uh, so we'd all have to sit there or we'd have to go to our room and be very quiet. And we would always want to know, is it safe to come out? Is it okay to come out? Can we get out now? The Holy Spirit makes it real to us that indeed in Jesus Christ, it is safe to come out. You don't need to fear any longer. In Christ, the storm has passed. The price has been paid. You can come out now. Come out of your room. There is peace. The water has subsided. John 14, 25 through 27, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And he says this, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, not the kind of peace that the world gives gives to you. I give you a peace that's going to last. Do not let your hearts be troubled when you're being held under when the thunderstorms are coming. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid, because I have peace for you. Peace. Jesus brings peace by way of the Holy Spirit to our lives. When you're at a point in your life where there's chaos, you don't know what to do, life is out of control, and you have grabbed every lever and pulled it and turned it, in life or in your family's life and it continues to be chaotic and you don't know and you feel the peace fleeting from you things are just just so out of sorts there is the peace that passes all understanding that comes with the holy spirit that can anchor you down in a place of safety and we have to ask for that many times i, I want to tell you from experience okay we've been pastors a very long time but that has not exempted us from having to go through some very trying situations and some some big heartaches in our life and there are times when the the waters of life the ocean has pushed you down and is shoving you all over the place and just like a surfer who's been stuck down on the bottom of that floor is not being let up you have to sit there and talk to the holy spirit and go spirit Holy Spirit, I know you are with me. You bring me peace. I cannot control this. It's out of my control. But your peace, Lord, has been promised to me in the midst of this. Bring your peace. And you know what? He does. We have seen it over and over and over again. God's peace that is offered to you, it comes by way of, of the Holy Spirit as the dove in our lives. And we need that. Over in Acts 9, 31, uh, the church begins to pick up steam and more people come to know Christ and the church is gathering in homes. Uh, We read this, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Everybody loves a peaceful time, don't you? Don't you like it when things... Now, some of you don't. I mean, come on. You can be honest. You can be honest. No, man, that's boring. You know, I just... If nothing's going on, I will create chaos just because I want some movement, you know. But I'm talking about the peace in the center of your soul where you are so disrupted in life that it is beginning to take its toll on you. It is beginning to rob you and hijack your life. The Holy Spirit has been given to bring a deep peace to us. In the early church, when that peace came, and notice it said, by the Holy Spirit. It could have said, by the Father. It could have said, by the Son. But it said, by the Holy Spirit. So we ask the Holy Spirit to come. You're welcome in this place. Bring your peace, Lord, because I need your peace. I need your peace in my marriage. I need your peace in my parenting. I need your peace... In my church, I need your peace. In my business, I need your peace. In my own following of you, Lord, I, in, in my finances, I need your peace, Lord. And the Holy Spirit, as the dove comes and He brings this supernatural peace that it, it, it doesn't make sense sometimes. It doesn't mean you're not concerned. Some of us think that means like denial. That's not what this peace is about. It doesn't mean you don't work to maybe get yourself out of a situation, but it means that within your heart you know all is well. It is well with my soul. Because the Holy Spirit has brought the peace of God to us. That is a part of His living inside of you and with you. That's worth following Jesus right there. To get that peace that surpasses all understanding. And in the church when that peace came, it grew. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. That means they were obedient to live their life the way God called them to. Nobody wants to hang out with a bunch of people fighting, right, where there's chaos and backbiting and and all of that. Nobody wants to hang out with that. The peace of God is very attractional as well. People want to be around a peaceful place with peaceful people. That though they may be going through trials and tribulations and situations, which you will. You know, that was a promise by Jesus, but nobody goes around claiming that one. In this life, there will be trouble. There will be trials. But nobody goes, I claim it. Jesus promised it. Jesus, give me those trials. Thank you, Lord, I have them. You know, it's like, no. So don't let it take you unawares. You know, it's coming. But the peace of God that passes all understanding can rule and reign in your heart in the midst of it. Through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is baptized and he comes up out of that water and the dove or the Holy Spirit like a dove. I don't think it was a dove, but how Matthew was describing it, it he just saw a dove and he's like, How can I describe what's going on here? And so he describes it as a dove because it was light and it came upon him. And, and, uh, and Jesus, what happens when, when the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus that way? He hears his Father's voice. He hears his father speaking to him. Your last feeling is that the Holy Spirit, as the dove, brings provision to our life. Provision. Provision to our life. The dove comes back to Noah with this olive branch in his beak, which says, there is provision in the land. As the passing judgment of God recedes in Jesus at the flood, where you're headed there is going to be provision for you. And, of course, olive oil, the oil was symbolic of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, the, and all, they used it in everything they ate. I love olive oil. You guys love it. Yeah, and, I mean, the olive oil was what they used to anoint the priest in Israel. They would take an urn of it. And I'm glad in my ordination services they didn't do this. But, uh, you know, they would take an urn and just pour it over the top of your head and the priests had these long beards, you know, parted in two like this, and that that oil would come down across their head and go across their beard, dripping off the ends of their beard all the way down their body, symbolic of God's hand being on them and God's presence being on them and their calling. And so when Noah saw that, he knew there was provision being made for him in this new land as God's judgment passed away, and there's provision in Jesus for us now, um, I mean, look, at. there's provision for, being, for healing us up. What did the father say about Jesus at that moment? Anybody want to say it back to me? What did he say? This is what? And what? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now let me ask you this. What had Jesus done at that point? Nothing. He had done nothing for his father to look at the list of do's and don'ts and gone. wow, he did a pretty good job. I'm proud of him. Do you get this? In Jesus Christ, there is provision for God's forgiveness and acceptance because of who you are, not because of what you do. Now, there's a lot of us wanting to come home to that. And that's such good news, we don't believe it. We just don't believe that it's possible that in Jesus Christ, God could look at us and go, I like you and I love you just because of who you are. You're my creation, and Jesus paid for the passing judgment. I love you, for you did anything. Jesus had not done one miracle, preached one message. He hasn't done anything, and yet the Father looks at him and, this is my son. I am so proud of him and so pleased with him. And in the Holy Spirit, you can hear that voice said to you. Some of you have never heard that from anybody. You have never heard anyone look at you just because of who you are just and say, I'm proud of you and I love you. But in the Spirit, with the Spirit in our hearts and our lives, we can hear God the Father saying that. Next Sunday is Father's Day. We're going to launch a new series called It's All in the Family. And uh, we're going to start with dads. And I'm going to be talking out of Luke 15 about the prodigal father that's in there. What a picture of God our father in the prodigal father out of Luke 15. And we'll see the, the wonderful grace that is found in our heavenly father there as well. You can come home. You can come out of hiding in Jesus And the Holy Spirit that comes to live within our heart makes this real to us. Now, how do we respond? I looked at how Jesus responded here in Matthew 3, and here's what Jesus did. He simply received from the Father. He simply looked up at the Father and let the Holy Spirit come upon Him. And when we stand in just a moment, I want to ask you to do the same thing. Just look to the Father and say, Okay, Lord, fill me. I receive you. I receive your Holy Spirit. Just come and fill me with your presence. And what did Jesus do? He listened. He heard what his father said. Now, my prayer here in the next, in the last 15 minutes or 20 minutes that we have together here is that while we're worshiping, you are going to hear your father say to you, This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Because in Christ, the storm is passed. In Christ, the judgment has been paid for. In Christ, we can come out of hiding. And then Jesus was led, it said, up from that point into some tough times, into the desert. Some of us are going to leave from here and go back into some very tough times. This is an oasis right here, but we're walking out of those doors and we're going back to situations that we have to face But we go back with the Holy Spirit with us. And just as Jesus was led into the wilderness and led into those trials, Jesus was with him. The Holy Spirit Spirit was with Jesus through all of that right on into his ministry. And then he went, go. You will go out with the Holy Spirit into the adventure that God has called you into as the Holy Spirit leads you. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need him to fill us. And we need him as the dove in our life. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray this, a part, I just want to pray this part of a hymn that Isaac Watts wrote so long ago. Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening powers, kindle a flame of sacred love in these cold hearts of ours. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Dove.